0: Odd Trails contains adult language and content. These stories can be frightening for some. Listener discretion is advised. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show. Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. And just trust. Believe. Mm-hmm.
1: I've submitted a story to you guys before, back last winter, but this past summer I actually had a couple of other things that I think would fit here pretty well, so I'm writing them out now. These actually both happened within the same week, which was strange as I've never experienced either of these things before. So, to preface, I have a camp that I go to for a week, every summer, in the sand dunes of Lake Michigan. I've been going since I was five, and it's my favorite place. It's secluded, so you can be alone if you want. But there's a lot to do, and a lot of my longtime friends also go there. So on with the first story. A group of about seven people and I were out in one of the really secluded areas, which we ironically call Area 51 because of how out of the way it is sitting around a campfire, listening to music, and playing Truth or Dare. I know it's pretty childish, but we've been doing this since we were about 17. Anyways, I had just downloaded a Night Sky app a week or so prior, and I'm pointing out different constellations to my friends, as there's very little light pollution here, and you can actually see a decent portion of the Milky Way. As this is happening, I notice something that's moving throughout the sky. It's a line of about 7 to 12 lights, moving in a snake-like fashion, over above where the lake is, but they're incredibly high in the sky. Naturally, I pointed this out to everyone, and we all stood there, watching them go by. Here's the thing, this Night Sky app also points out any satellites or meteors, and this did not show up anywhere. We have no idea what it is that we saw, but we all saw it. And it was actually the first UFO I ever saw. I'm still geeking out about this two months later. It was amazing. This second story isn't quite as fun. So it's a few days later, and we're in Area 51 again, and I decided I was tired and wanted to go back to my campsite for the night. I start to walk away from the trees and it's a pretty straight shot from where we were to the soccer field over to the main road through the camp. Also, the friend group I had just walked away from are loud, and the fire is roaring in the pit. I should have been able to hear them all the way over to the main road, but I pass the tree line, and all sound is immediately gone. I can feel my stomach drop. I'm overcome with a feeling of dread and I soon cross over into a clearing that does not exist. I've been going here for 17 years. I know this entire camp, inside out, getting lost here isn't possible. And let me remind you, I've never seen this clearing in my life. I immediately think of the Fae for some reason, and as I'm shaking, trying to keep calm and find my way through, I'm just constantly repeating I thank you for safe passage through, back to my friends, over and over. The entire walk through the forest, to the soccer field, to the main road, should only take maybe two minutes. Fifteen minutes later, no joke, I checked my phone as I was leaving, and once I got through, I ended up on the other side of Area 51. I walked in a straight line, there's no way this could have happened. I walk back over to my friends, which, may I add, it was 100% silent until I got back to Area 51 and could see my friend's car, and everyone was packing up to leave. I'm shaking, terrified of what the hell just happened to me, where I could have been, and one of my friends tries to talk me down, saying I must have been confused. I know what I saw, that clearing doesn't exist. At least, not in this world. The only thing even remotely similar I've ever been through was when I was about nine years old, and I was at my grandparents' house in northern Michigan with my cousins. We went out to explore the woods, got lost, and kept hearing little bells jingling, which I've heard means the Fae are near. But that was with people, and we could still hear the road as people were driving. Regardless, To the Fae who tried to disappear me while I was walking back to my campsite, let's not meet.
0: I was relaxing in my bed for a bit before deciding to get up and use the bathroom. All of my family is asleep at this point, as they are early to bed, early to rise type people. All lights are off when I got up. So, I bring my phone as a flashlight. I've had bad jump scares in the dark before. I cross the hall to the bathroom. No problem. As I'm washing my hands, I pause Hearing random clicking. Two quick clicks right after each other. Then a short pause. Two more clicks. They get faster while still being spread out. It's definitely human or something close to it. It's the clicking sound one might make when flicking on and off a light switch when they're bored. Or in this instance, the sound of the lamp in the living room being turned on and off. Or so I think. I can't tell where the sound is coming from, so I finish washing my hands, turn on my light, march out of our hall bathroom, and search the house. Nothing. Odd, I think, and a bit unsettled and disturbed, I go back to my room. I finally got comfortable after doing a quick sweep of my room and move to lay down, as I have to get up early tomorrow. I scroll around social media for a while when I hear the very unmistakable sound. Absolutely nothing else could make this sound. It's the sound of the shower curtains being swept back. I stop now fully alert and listen. I haven't heard the footsteps of anyone. I didn't hear anything hit the bottom of the shower floor. So something couldn't have fallen and hit the curtain, and my family members could not have done it. I hear it again. Someone is moving my shower curtain. The realization hits me slowly. The tapping, that clicking, it wasn't coming from the living room or any other bedroom. It was coming from inside the bathroom. That's why there were no footsteps when I heard the curtains move. That's why I couldn't tell exactly what direction the clicking came from. The whole time, whoever or whatever it was, was in the same room as me. Which gets us to the present. It's been half an hour. No odd noise has come up since then. I'm still paralyzed in bed, and I haven't gone to check. I think I'll go do that now.
1: I was friends with a guy named George, who I knew since high school. When I moved back to my hometown, my partner, now my ex, introduced me to his best friend. As you might have guessed, his best friend was George. You can imagine our surprise. Sadly, however, George passed away in 2007. He had driven several hours to help a stranded friend. On the way back. He fell asleep at the wheel. He was not wearing a seatbelt, which could have made all the difference and saved his life. I think about that often. When George passed, my ex and I were already separated. He came home early that morning, and very quietly we went into the bedroom so as to not wake the kids. To them, George was their uncle, and it would have been traumatizing. He told me what happened. I remember crying and being in disbelief, but trying to be quiet so as to not wake the kids. When I opened the door, my four year old son, who is autistic and typically nonverbal, was standing at the far end of the hallway, not moving, his eyes wide open and not blinking. In the clearest voice I have ever heard from him, he said, Uncle George said not to worry about him. He wants you to know he's okay. He wants you to know he is in a good place and happy. He told me he wanted you to know. My ex and I stared in disbelief for what seemed like a long time. Then our child headed back to his room and closed the door. I went to check on him, but he was already in a deep sleep. My story starts days later, after the funeral, after the burial. I was taking it very hard. George had visited me recently before he passed, and I felt like he had something to say. I think maybe he had feelings for me. But when he left, he didn't say anything. We both felt it, but let it go, out of respect for my ex. So days later, after his burial, I was lying in bed, asleep, when I woke up, sensing someone was in the room. It was dark, but I could feel their presence. I could tell it was male, even though I could not see them. And then, to my horror, they sat down on the edge of the bed. I felt the mattress sink with their weight. I wanted to scream, but couldn't. My heart was pounding. And then, they started stroking my arm, gently, as if to comfort me. I was so scared, but at the same time, I felt my energy drain away completely, quickly. I closed my eyes and thought, I guess this is how I die. I would not have been able to fight if I wanted to. The next day, I woke up and was okay. The kids were okay. Everything was locked. I called my ex to see if it had been him in the house. He said no and urged me to call the police. I also called this guy who I knew was kind of obsessed with me. He was hurt that I would think that he would break into my house, but I didn't know what to think. And honestly, there were no signs that anyone had broken in. Every night, I double-check all the locks. I was alone with my kids and no weapons, so I was very diligent about this. Everything was still in place. But that night, it happened again. As in the night before, they gently stroked my arm while I quietly sobbed. I could move a little too, but I still felt weak and felt my energy leaving me. Though it took longer this time. The third night, it happened again. At this point, I knew it was not a physical person. I could barely feel them. I felt their concern for me. I could tell they wanted to comfort me, and I realized it had been George. I was so scared and worried and the presence felt so physical that I didn't even consider that it could be him. He came to see me, comfort me, and check in on me like he had in life, always caring until the very end. I have always been sensitive to certain things, I had just never felt it this way before. It wasn't just a feeling, it was physical and solid, which is why when my daughter passed away in 2019, I expected her to come back and visit me too. But it didn't happen that way and I was so hurt. I was once in my car, parked in my carport and blasting metal music, screaming and sobbing, trying to get it all out before going inside and pasting on my happy face in front of my other kids. I was gripping the steering wheel, white knuckles, tears and snot dripping down my face and asking why she didn't come see me. Suddenly, I felt someone squeeze my arm, physically squeeze, and felt a certain, quiet peace. I turned to look at the passenger seat. I couldn't see anything, but I felt someone sitting there. I knew it was her. I was so relieved I started sobbing and laughing. Who knows, maybe it was her or maybe it was a grieving mother losing her mind. Either way, it gave me peace. Last story. After my daughter passed, I was in a very dark place. I was depressed and sometimes it was hard to go on. One night, I woke up, feeling a presence in the room. At first, I was happy. I thought my daughter came to visit me, just like George did. I sat up. The room was dark, but silhouetted against the window was a thin, dark figure. I called out my daughter's name, but there was no answer. The longer I looked at this thing, the more I realized it was not her, and I started to get scared. This thing had a more masculine shape, but it was unnaturally thin with weird angular shoulders and chin. Unlike my daughter, who had long straight hair, this thing didn't seem to have any. I could clearly see the shape of its head, and it was very round on top, but I could see that it had a very pointy chin against the light of the window. It was alien-like. I could not see any features. It was a deep, dark shadow. I could not sense evil or anything coming from it. It just observed, and sat there. Later, as I tried to learn more about what this thing was, I found it was possibly a shadow person. I have read that other people who have encountered shadow people also sometimes do not feel anything menacing from these entities either. However, they feed on pain, grief, sadness, and other negative emotions. There are many different explanations for what these entities could be, but this is what made the most sense to me. It came to feed on my dark emotions. It was indifferent to me otherwise. I made it my mission to address my sorrow and find positive ways to cope, instead of wallowing in self-destructive thoughts. And it never came back. But, to be honest, when my depression kicks in, I look towards that window and wonder if it's waiting.
0: I've always been intrigued by the phenomenon. When I was younger, I remember being genuinely terrified and also incredibly curious when I saw pop culture media of it, the X-Files theme, Was enough to unnerve me as a child, but only because of the alien episodes. When I was little, I experienced night terrors as many children do, and like some, I had a recurring one. My mother still attests that I would shout a nonsensical phrase over and over The owls are coming out of the walls. The owls are coming out of the walls. Yes, many years later, the movie The Fourth Kind came out. I remember the first time I watched it, my stoner friend invited me over, knowing that I was very interested in the subject. Before the movie started, I told them about my night terrors, and two of them looked at me and asked if I was sure that I hadn't seen the movie. I said yes. Whether they believed me or not, I'm not sure, but they dropped it, because now Part of my early childhood that I enjoyed sharing with people close to me sounds like a reference to pop culture. A lie. I hope some of you can relate to this because I don't even mention the night terrors anymore. Anyways, I started realizing what sleep paralysis was as I got older. And the first time I recall noticing it for what it was, that I was actually awake in my room. I was on my stomach but I saw these skinny little legs and feet piddle around me. I didn't feel scared and for some reason assumed it was some kind of attack or seizure, and my best course of action was to just try and go back to sleep. I never thought that these were abductions, though, and eventually I learned to play with sleep paralysis so long as I was emotionally and mentally sound. Meditation helped but I hardly do it. That being said, I do believe in higher intelligent beings. I just wanted to set context for what happened last night. Now, I always wake up at 4 or 5 a.m. and smoke part of a cigarette on my back porch facing the mountains and the stars. I live outside in a small city, no more than 50,000 people, but the air is more clear where I am. Anyway, I go outside to smoke, And get a really weird feeling, but I chalk it up to the dreams, even though I didn't recall having any. I'm looking at my phone and not really paying attention to anything except my immediate surroundings. When I put my phone away, I pulled out a cigarette and lighter and sat in my chair. Once in my chair, I looked up and I noticed that it was not the moon making it bright on my porch, because it was way in the east and not full at all. Obviously. The object was an orange-red, and it looked like a thick Pringles tube pointed slightly in my direction. I immediately panicked and thought, fuck, am I not supposed to be seeing this? And for some reason, thought the best course of action would be to pretend that it wasn't happening. So I looked away and went to light my smoke. Then I remember vaguely having what looked like a plastic bag, but gelatinous almost, put over my head, and it immediately went into my lungs and covered my face completely. It attached to me, kind of like a latex mask would, but with little to no pressure. I panicked until I realized I didn't need to breathe. It was like that strange substance was providing my lungs with the exact chemical composition that they needed. It was then that I realized I might be dreaming, and I tried to move around. The next thing I remember, I woke up in bed with one of my two cigarettes I went to sleep with on my dresser instead of in my pack. I still feel like it may have been a dream, but I'm very shaken, and I can't eat. Sleep problems have scared me like this since I was a child. I rather enjoy nightmares and sleep paralysis sometimes, though. Anyone relate to this at all?
1: Hi there, my name is Rachel, and I'm 15 episodes into Odd Trails. Something you've mentioned on the podcast made me have a massive realization about a supernatural event I had in my childhood, and I knew I had to share. When I was a child, I had a lot of supernatural occurrences off and on. They were never overly scary, but it seemed like we always ended up living in places with something going on. We moved around a lot since my mom was a single mother. She dated a lot and we would often live with whoever she was dating until the inevitable breakup. When I was about 7 years old, we moved in with my mom's boyfriend at the time. He lived in a small one-bedroom trailer, so he and my mom would share his bed and I would sleep on his couch since I didn't have my own bed. I know that sounds rough, but I was all about it. It was a pretty comfy couch. For whatever reason, I would have a particular dream very often. I would be sitting outside on top of a trellis thing next to the trailer. Sitting beside me was a solid shadow form of a person roughly my own size, but with no other distinguishable characteristics. I would have long conversations with them, and then I would wake up. I was never able to remember what we talked about, though. I used to think that, somehow, some entity on the property was entering my dreams to talk to me. I never woke up scared, and the dreams were pleasant. This theory was more convincing when I talked to my mom about it when I was older. She mentioned that she used to hear me talking or calling to her outside when she knew I was inside, So this was my only thought on what it could have meant, for a long time, until hearing astral projection being talked about on this podcast. I believe it was one of the stories that talked about how if you can meditate until your body is buzzing or vibrating, that is how to start astral projection. It was like everything in my head clicked into place. I remember that around the time my story happened, I had discovered a neat activity I could do when I was lying down for a nap or for bed and couldn't fall asleep. I would relax until I could feel my toes start to tingle. And if I focused on this sensation, it would slowly climb up my body. If I stayed perfectly still and took deep breaths, I would no longer be able to feel the parts of my body that got tingly. Like, I wouldn't be able to distinguish my skin from the couch. Or my clothes. It was almost like melting into a puddle of static. And then I would usually start dreaming right away. Almost like I just passed out. I still use this technique from time to time. Because it helps me fall asleep. And feels absolutely amazing. I can have most of my body tingling within a minute. But finding out that this is basically astral projection step one. Makes me seriously wonder If I was unknowingly projecting myself on those nights when I would have conversations with the shadow entity.
0: When I was in eighth grade back in 2015, I lived at Fort Carson a military post in Colorado. The house we lived in was pretty normal for military housing. Nothing really felt strange or creepy about the house itself. It was your regular four-bedroom home in a small neighborhood of identical houses. I had already lived there for a few years and had nothing out of the ordinary happen, and my family, if they did experience anything, never told me. My younger brother is the youngest out of me and my siblings, and was only four at the time, so whenever he would talk about things that scared him at night, a lot of the time I just assumed that it was his imagination. A year before we moved out of the house, my brother would often wake up in the middle of the night and he would scream and cry as if he were being hurt. First time it ever happened, the whole house ran to his room to see what was wrong, but he just sat in his bed pointing at the door and screaming. He said that he saw a monster in the doorway. At first, we all thought that he had a bad dream or had an overactive imagination. However, almost every week after that, at least once or twice, he would wake up and do the same thing. I've always had a huge interest in things that are paranormal or strange, so after a while I became curious to see if he really was seeing something. One night, in the middle of summer, while I was playing a game with some friends, I got up and went downstairs for a snack run. When I returned to my bedroom, I thought about what my brother would say that was in his doorway. Me and my siblings had our own bedrooms on the second story of the house. My room was directly across from the stairs, and to the left of my door was a long hallway with the bathroom between mine and my sister's room, then my brother's room at the end. Before I sat back down to continue playing, I decided to check on him and look down the hallway to see his room. Standing in his doorway was a tall figure that almost didn't even fit in the doorway. The top of its spine was pushed against the ceiling and I could only see the bottom half of its head. It had pale skin and backwards legs like a goat except they were human legs. It was facing the inside of my brother's room towards his bed. I stared for a few seconds before I went back into my room and shut the door. Now this shook me up a bit but I reassured myself that I was probably seeing things as all day I'd been watching ghost videos and listening to creepy pastas. So I decided to take another look. I wish I had not. This time the thing was facing down the hallway, staring right back at me. Its face had almost no features except these dark holes for eyes. Its arms hung almost all the way down to the floor I froze and immediately felt sick and after what felt like an eternity I pulled my head back into my bedroom and shut the door then locked it. My brother didn't wake up that night and he later would be afraid of my bedroom too even during the day. I never left my room at night until we moved out of that house and I didn't tell anyone about it for a few years. I still think about it from time to time but often doubt if I really saw what I think I did. Anyway, does anybody have any similar encounters? So I have an update on our Stockton serial killer that we talked about last week. Ooh, good. I haven't been reading the news. Yeah. So Wesley Brownlee has been apprehended. He was identified as the murderer. He was arrested uh, in, in the middle of the night on October 15th while the law enforcement said he was, quote, out hunting in Stockton. <laughs> he wasn't lying. Yeah. Uh, the sheriff said, and I quote, throughout the surveillance, he was lurking around parks lurking in dark areas, just different areas that might have proved to be an area for him to kill. Once we knew he encountered an area where there was someone that was vulnerable and they were alone in a dark place, that's when we acted. So he had a mask around his neck and a gun with no serial number in his waistband, just cruising around looking for a victim. So the way that they tracked him down Believe it or not, it was because of his walk. Do you remember the surveillance video of him walking away from one of the murders? Yes. It was just like him from behind with a hoodie on, but he had this weird gait the way that he walked. It was pretty unique. It was a little different. Um, and that's what people were keying in on when they would report tips to law enforcement. He had this specific gait when he walked in that surveillance footage. Now, I have to say that like as I get older, I observe people more, especially thanks to stories from my other podcast let's not meet i'm just very uh, perceptive about people oh yeah i'm always looking for exits in movie theaters seeing who's sitting nearby all that kind of stuff
1: i can't sit with my back to the door at a restaurant i it freaks me out i can't relax my back is to the door i'm exactly the same way so is my dad my dad who Mm -hmm. is the one who instilled that in me actually my dad too yeah whoa awesome man our dads have never met and they would get along so well We need to fix that. We need to go on a dad camping trip. Let's take them with us to Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah, that would be so much fun. I could get my dad to take some time off of work. He works way too hard
0: for his age. And uh, we just take him out and uh, we can have a nice little experience, a, a dad date. But yeah, so you notice these kinds of things about people as you get older. And I've found that the way people walk, especially if there's anything remotely unique about it, it's just something that you don't really forget or fail to notice And it's definitely the kind of thing that you probably wouldn't even think about if you were the one committing crimes, you know, the way that you walk,
1: you wouldn't think that's how you would get caught because it's not something you can really change. That was my first thought. Yeah. Like it's easy to have your guard down if you have a mask on and you're concealed as far as you know, the last thing you would think of is, oh, shit, I better disguise my walk. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Um, He was charged with only three of the murders. I think there were six or seven. Uh, Because they only had sufficient evidence to pursue those three charges and prove them beyond reasonable doubt. But the DA did say that they're confident that the other charges are going to be added. Um, Wesley Brown does, unsurprisingly, as he is a damn fucking serial killer, have a criminal record, including multiple drug charges, a DUI, traffic violations, and he served time in prison. So... Obviously, he's out on the streets killing people because that's just how the law works. Mm-hmm. You do one, you do them all. Crimes, that is. Yeah. And you do multiple of them. You're back out on the streets ready to kill.
1: I actually took some time away from the streets. So I went to my family's cabin for about five days. It was really relaxing. Hung out with my dad and cousins, siblings and all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And while I was there, you're going to love this. Yeah. I did not tell you the story because I wanted your genuine reaction for the show. Okay. My sister, bless her heart, takes out a Ouija board. No, seriously? I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. <sighs> she did that on purpose, obviously. She did. She knew what she was doing. She listens to the show. So tell me what happened. Well, after our little scare and especially trying to heed all conventional wisdom by mm-hmm. not messing around with Ouija boards, mm-hmm. I didn't want to touch it, but I was intrigued. So... She and my brother did their thing, and there was some sort of activity, for sure. And I definitely believe in paranormal and other otherworldly weirdness. But like with everything else, I tend to play devil's advocate with myself and challenge my beliefs. So I figured, what's the worst that could happen? Mm-hmm. And my sister is definitely one of those people we hear about in these stories who are in tune with the spirit realm or whatever you want to call it. I trust her and I know for a fact that she wouldn't lie to me about something when she knows I'm being serious. So, yeah. So she was playfully taunting me like, oh, is the Ouija board too scary for the spooky podcaster? (laughs) Think of your audience. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, how dare you? Yeah, you can't say no. No, you can't say no. And I love you all so much because my immediate thought was, My audience cares about me and constantly warns me not to fuck with things like haunted dolls and Ouija boards. So I just thank you all so much. And I hope the love is mutual and unconditional because either my curiosity got to the better of me or I succumbed to the peer pressure of my little sister. Either way, I hopped on that Ouija board. I did. It started off pretty tame initial prayer and all that good stuff, bring the good vibes in. She asked if anybody was there, the planchet moved over to yes, of course. And, oh, actually I forgot to mention Mm -hmm. before we started, I said, please don't move the planchet around. Be very mindful. Stay still. Don't let any subconscious muscular movements ruin this because I know I can stay still and treat it rationally, but still openly. So I, I, I was very adamant about that. Like, don't fuck this up. Yeah. Because otherwise, what's the point? It's just a joke. What's the point? Yeah. Yeah, Like, don't troll me and think something's going on. Like, I I don't know. That's not my style. And she agreed. She takes it seriously and all that. She's all about the spiritual paranormal stuff. Mm -hmm. So anyway, we're doing our thing and we get a yes. Somebody is there. Seriously. Wait, seriously. Yeah. We got a yes. Like a straight up. Yes. I felt that thing move and there wasn't any pressure coming from, my what? sister at all. So what did it feel yeah. like
0: when it moved? It just like, was it a firm movement? Like it moved and stopped immediately or was it like a light? No, like-
1: it was slow and gradual. It was kind of like my fingertips were glued to the planchet, very lightly and oh. wind kind of brushed across the board. Almost
0: like a magnetic kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like a
1: very slight magnetic tug. Uh-huh. It didn't feel like it was being pushed from like my sister's direction, obviously. And I certainly wasn't pulling anything. I was just in a meditative stay still state. And I wasn't looking at the letters either. I was looking straight ahead, kind of zoning out, right. letting my arms take me wherever they went. And we got a yes. And then we asked, who is it? And then we got just a, the letter J. That's it. The letter J. The letter J. Yeah. And then we kind of stood there, paused for a bit, like, well, what is going on here? And they're like, wait a minute. That's the first name of our great grandpa who also built the cabin we were in. What? Okay, what's his name? Let's call him John for privacy's sake. Fair enough. But I I will mention my grandma's real name though, because that is important for this story. Okay. So we established it's my grandpa John. And then we try to ask some other questions like, are you happy and all this? And he says, yes. And there was a lot of things he responded to that made me feel like there was definitely a presence there. Okay. But the thing that really set us all over the edge, like, it was wild. We asked, okay, who else is with you? When he responded, yes. When we asked, is anybody with you? Yeah. He goes, YGZ. What? Like, what? Yeah, I know. I'm like, there's no initials YGZ. When we sat there thinking about it, I'm like, wait a minute. The only thing I can think of is my grandma Zelda. Wait a minute. YGZ. Y-G-Z your grandma Zelda.
0: What? No, come on. That's too, it's
1: too on the nose. (laughs) See, you would think so, but she and I were both confused for a good like five to 10 seconds trying to decipher this. So if it just spelled out Zelda, that'd be like, okay, that was some subconscious thing going on. But I don't see any rationalization as to why or how we would even subconsciously move our hands to show YGZ and not something more, I guess obvious or readable. But then I thought of the Z. I'm like, okay, Z. My grandma's name is Zelda. YGZ. I was like, oh, your grandma Zelda. And when I said that, my sister she she did one of my squeals that she hated. <laughs> yeah, I know that. And know that. she <laughs> had a moment. It was probably disrespectful, but she like clenched her fist and started rolling on the ground screaming. <laughs> Oh my <laughs> she, God. Yeah, no, she loved it. She loved it. And I was freaking out and not knowing what to do with my hand on the planchet is shaking.
0: I've got to ask and like this. I don't know if you want to put this off the record or not, but you don't seem like you've never done this and you don't seem like the person to make something up. You're not just making this up for the podcast, right? This is insane. No, no, no.
1: (laughs) I kind of, I assumed you were going to assume that, but no, this is 100% true. Yeah, because it's so fucking wild. It's wild and out of my comfort zone, but that's something I'm trying to get better at. So yeah, that's what I did. And that was the result. I'll try to think of some other details as far as the answers that he gave, but those were kind of like, I feel like people could rationalize those away as far as like, oh, you just wanted them to say that or whatever. But the YGZ had a stumped, but that letter Z ending on Z and we just froze there to that question, is anybody with you? And for my grandpa to say YGZ, I would say that's your grandma Zelda. I would too, honestly. As soon as I said that, we both had the realization like, holy shit. And we just knew and we felt the presence in the room for sure. The whole cliche of the air feels heavy you can feel the presence and all of that that was a hundred percent there and that's not something i usually feel so does your sister own this ouija board is it hers no it came with the cabin which is weird whoa not in this sense like it was sitting there for my great grandpa back in the 60s or anything but long story short they built the cabin they had to sell it and it got back on the market and my father purchased it back and now mm-hmm. it's in the family again it oh, kind of okay. reminds me of the uh my cabin story or whatever there's we had a story about a cabin on the show like one of the earlier episodes yeah it kind of reminded me of my family cabin but yeah. so it came from somebody that owned the
0: cabin after your grandpa correct and then you guys and in, left it there and it came with the the cabin when you bought it wow so yeah. it it may have like some kind of energy connected to it i mm-hmm. so did you guys bring it home or leave it at the cabin
1: and we left it there.
0: Oh, man. I want to. I was going to say next time you come to come to visit, we should meet up with your sister and do another session. You should come up to the cabin. I'm so scared. I'm so scared of wilderness. <laughs> you know this. I'm scared of the wilderness. I love it, but I'm scared, especially with the Ouija board. There's a durable oak door with a <laughs> lock on it. Yeah, I've seen Evil Dead. They can get through it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's crazy. I'm so glad you you waited to share that with me because mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I do want to I do want to revisit a Ouija board, but I want to do it with somebody safe. I want to do it in a safe place, and I want to do it in a positive way. And it feels like your sister had kind of a had a, had kind of a uh, a hold on that. And your sister did. She's she's even done like tarot readings and stuff, right? She's very sensitive to these kinds of things.
1: She is. She is. She's probably the person I'm closest with who actually has a legitimate connection to this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. She doesn't really have too many full-blown stories to share into its own type of story. But yeah, I'd love to start sharing some more of her sensitive interactions with these sort of things throughout the show. But that's one of them for sure. And she's dabbled into tarot and the readings that she's had for me are just way too, as you said, on the nose. Kind of like you're reading when that person said that you have a serious relationship or a partnership with an Aries and I'm the only Aries you know. Exactly. I had a listener
0: that uh, does tarot readings online. She offers her services. Uh, I highly recommend checking it out. I'll put a link in the show notes if she'll allow me. Um, if not, sorry. Uh, Do it anyway. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to ask her first. But uh, she, did <laughs> a, yeah, she did a reading for me, just a quick little reading, and she got so many things right. And not only that, she... like. She referenced my close relationship with an Aries in our partnership, and it was just like that's the only person I talk to. It's it's Mm -hmm. it's my co-host. It's my best friend. Mm -hmm. Like it's it was so on the nose. That's gonna be (laughs) that's a new thing. That's the new thing. It's it's too fucking on the nose.
1: Well, we have Hello Fresh, America's number one meal kit. Now we have Odd Trails on the nose. Odd (laughs) Trails on the. It's too on. No, two on the nose. Yeah, two on the nose. Too hot for TV.
0: Anyways, I got to pee so bad. Me too. Uh, <laughs> Me too. Let's wrap it up. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. This week, you have heard UFOs and almost being taken by the Fae by Alex Olmstead. There's Someone in My House by Me Likes Frogs. He Came to Say Goodbye by Dolce. Strange Experience. Was It a Dream by Absolutely Backwards. Shadow People and Astral Projection by Rachel. And finally... Something Used to Stalk My Brother by Dread Six. All of the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. If you've got a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com and we'll check it out. And if you want to get access to all of our episodes ad-free, at a higher bitrate for the best listening experience, head over to patreon.com forward slash oddtrails to sign up and support the show today. We'll see you all next week. Stay safe. Peace out.